Well, good morning. Um, we are so glad that you're here on this Thanksgiving Sunday uh, before the actual holiday. And we're wrapping up a series called Gratitude. And as I was uh, getting ready for today, I, I started thinking back to uh, when I was a kid and I would hear my grandparents talk about living through the depression, all right? When they lived through the depression and there were shortages on everything. And then my grandmother would talk about, and when we got to World War II, they gave us ration cards, and we got our food through the rations, and everybody was all limited, and I thought to myself, what a joke. No, but that's never gonna happen again. And then 2020 came, and I remember my wife coming home from the grocery store going, there is no toilet paper. Did you get any? I found some. All right. Or... Uh, the one that got me was the fact that uh, they were running here locally. I, I could not find Coke Zero. I have an addiction to Coke Zero. Diet Coke will do, but it's not the same thing. And I'm missing my Coke Zero. And, and during that time frame, I, I made a statement one Sunday morning when we were online only uh, about the fact, you know, this is getting crazy because I can't find my Coke Zero. And uh, about two weeks later, um, my assistant came to the door of my office and she said, some lady came here and she asked for one of our East Side Online yard signs and she also said to tell you that she lives in Denver. She moved there a few years ago. East Side was her church home. During the pandemic, she's been watching us so she wants an East Side yard sign in her yard in Denver so, so that people in Denver can watch. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. She goes, oh, and one more thing. She brought you some Coke Zero from Denver, all right? And I'm like, cool, all right? This is, this is great. So, I mean, all of you guys in Indiana, you got to kind of catch up, you know, a little bit. Uh, but but I, I kept thinking about that because as I'm reflecting on the 103rd Psalm and this whole concept of gratitude and this concept that, that God has all of, this, all of these benefits, and he has all of this mercy. And he has all this compassion for us. Did you ever wonder, is there a limit to it? I mean, is there ever a shortage of God's love for us? Is there ever a shortage of God's mercy for us? Is there ever a shortage of God's ability to provide for our life? Because I think many of us operate as if that's the reality. We operate as if God only has so much love to give. And God only has so many benefits to go around. And God only, and God only, has, God only has so much compassion. I mean, you know, there's got to be a limit, right? There's got to be a limit. And, 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 and so that's kind of the way we live our life, as if we're in the depression or the middle of a pandemic or a world war where they're rationing things. And, and yet... The scriptures keep telling us, the, the Bible tells us that God's love knows no limit, that there is nothing you can do that would cause him to turn his back on you, that there is no, no place beyond his reach, and that includes exactly where you live. And David knew that. David knew that from his own experience, but he also knew it from his observation of what God was doing. And so as he's writing this 103rd Psalm, and he starts off talking about all the benefits. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The fact that, that he is the one who forgives us of our sinful iniquities. He's the one who heals us of our diseases. He, he is the one who redeems us, who picks us up out of the pit, who, who sets us on solid ground. That he's the one who crowns our life with love and compassion. And then he starts talking about the mercy of God. And the fact that he takes our, our sins and he removes them as far as the east is from the west. And, and there's no limit to it. And all through this psalm, as he crescendos it with this thing we talked about last week, this, this mighty crescendo of, of God's compassion for his children. You kind of get into the middle of that and you think, okay, okay, okay. But how? How is it that, that, that we get to experience this? What is the process involved? And if we're going to have an attitude that creates gratitude in our life, then it, it's going to have to come from understanding that there's no shortage, even though it appears to be a shortage. Even though the, the enemy of your soul whispers in your ear that what you've done is too bad and God can't forgive you. And, and David, David who himself had failed God, David who himself had committed sins, tells us how in the, in the last verse of this psalm, listen, as I read it for you from the 103rd Psalm, I'm going to start reading at verse 18. I'm sorry, 19. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. See, that, that's it right there. What, what, what David is saying is there's no limit to the mercy, no limit to the benefits, no limit to the compassion because there's this kingdom. It's God's kingdom. In fact, the very first thing that, that Jesus said that's recorded for us as his first sermon in Mark's gospel, which is the oldest of the, of the synoptic gospels. And, and, and Mark says that Jesus came out preaching this message, this message only, repent and believe for the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. See, what the scriptures tell us is that, is that there is a kingdom and it's never ever established by human beings. You gotta know that. The kingdom of God is established by God. There's a, a, a divine sustenance to this kingdom. Now, I know you look around the world and you see people dying and you see people starving and you see cruelty and you see injustice and, and you think to yourself, wait a minute. If there's supposed to be a kingdom, where is this kingdom? And how, how am I not experiencing it? But it comes down to this understanding of what David tells us. That God has established his kingdom and that kingdom is powered by him. So that, so that the, the reality is no human kingdom can ever supersede the kingdom of God. I was kind of taken back a few years ago, a few weeks ago, I'm sorry, when um, the Queen of England was dying. And it came public after her death. There were all sorts of news stories. And her, her personal Christian faith 
became much more public in that time frame. And one of the reports that captured my attention was from her pastor who would go to, to the castle, to the Windsor, to the different places where they had the chapel set up for the Queen of England to worship and who attended to her as her pastor in her dying days. Maybe you saw the report too. The report simply said this. She looked at her pastor one day and said, I wish that I could live until Jesus returns so that I could have the privilege of taking my crown and placing it at his feet. Now think about that for a minute. This is a woman who has lived her entire life with adulation from people. This is a woman who has lived her entire life in a different way than any of us would have ever lived our life. And her monarchy goes back centuries. And she's saying, you know what? At the end of my life, and she lived a very long life, what I really wish is that, is that I could have the privilege of saying to the God of the Bible, to Jesus, his son, you are the king of kings. Here is my crown that I place at your feet. And here's the beauty of that. You're the kingdom of your life, most of us. And the question is really whether or not you will take the crown off your head and lay it at their feet. Will you, will you take your control, your dreams, your aspirations, your skills, your abilities, and say to God, hey God, here it is, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the prayer Jesus taught us to pray. And so if we're looking at having gratitude, if we're wondering if the love is sufficient, if the mercy is enough, if, if there's a sense that which God's benefits will really never, ever, ever, ever dry up, then we've got to come to thanksgiving in our hearts with this attitude of gratitude that understands that the kingdom of God is real. It's not a fairy tale. It's not something somebody made up. It's not something theologians argue about. No, no. The kingdom of God is real. It is here. It is now. But how? How are we supposed to live in this unseen kingdom when we live in a very, very visual world? Listen to the way David, who was himself a king, who himself had experienced the adulation of thousands, tens of thousands of people singing his praises. He said this, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. In order to get to this place, what David does is he, he comes out of this crescendo about the compassion and the love of God to say, you know what, that love and that mercy and those benefits, they come to us in this kingdom that dwells inside of our hearts, but it's over everything. See, as, as I told you last week, your, your earthly life is going to come to an end. One day, you will not be able to continue to live in the body that you live in now. 
And God is at work offering you an opportunity for a relationship with him that supersedes, that goes beyond the physical, that goes beyond the temporal, that goes beyond what you can touch and see and feel with your hands. See, none of you will ever, none of us will ever walk, quote unquote, streets of gold in heaven and feel them on the bare feet we have now. Because the only way you get to that place is through the kingdom of God, which God establishes. And what David does in these last few verses, in this last verse of this song, is to lay out for us how powerful the kingdom is, how large the kingdom is, and then how the kingdom actually interfaces with our life. And, and the first thing he does is he says, you know what? This kingdom is over all the heavens and the earth. And so he talks about blessing the Lord. All of you, all of you angels who do his work, who listen to his voice. See, here's, here's what David wants us to know. The, the kingdom of God creates a kingdom gratitude in our life. A kingdom gratitude that is revealed by messengers who obey God's voice. Uh, Pastor, wait a minute, you, you, you read angels and now you're saying messengers. What, what do you mean? No, angels, that's, that's who angels are. Angels are messengers straight from the throne room of God. And what David is saying to us is the messengers we need to listen to are the ones who obey the voice of God. There are lots of voices in the world. There are lots of, uh, lots of opinions in the world. There are lots of people who would tell you, hey, listen to me, I can show you the way. No, listen, there's no human being who can show you the way to the kingdom of God. It's only the Spirit of God and Jesus, the Son of God, who can invite you into the kingdom of God. And the good news is that the Spirit of God is no respecter of persons, so no matter who you are or where you're from or what's happened in your life, God's Spirit is already at work Preparing for you. He's already talking to you. He's already speaking to you. You may not be listening. You may not be hearing. And Jesus has already done all the work necessary for you to be a part of his kingdom. But when David starts laying out how we're supposed to live the way Jesus taught us to live, where thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, there's not a human dimension to that. There's not a dimension of that in which it's like, oh, let's get a bunch of human beings together and we can work hard and we can make the kingdom of God on earth. Utopia doesn't exist in humanity. But heaven is for eternity. Look at it again. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O oh, you his angels, his messengers, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. But, but pastor, how do you know it's God's voice? It comes from continual interaction and relationship. I, I see some of the guys from the AU football team here today. So um, gentlemen, Forgive me, you're about, you know this story. I've told it to you this year in chapel. But uh, when I was a young pastor in my first church, I was invited to be the chaplain for a high school football team in a place called East Ridge, Tennessee. It's a suburb of Chattanooga. It's where our church was located. 
And the coach there was a guy who played um, up at East Tennessee University, East Tennessee State. And he, uh, his claim to fame was he was a defensive back, and Johnny Unitas threw at least one touchdown pass against him every year he played. And uh, his name was Raymond James. And Raymond wasn't real, Raymond, Raymond wasn't real religious, as his wife would later tell me after his death. But uh, he somehow connected with me. And he said, hey, I'd like you to be the, the chaplain for the, for the high school football team. And so I would go, and every, every Friday night when the team would finish their pregame stuff, the, the coach would, would gather them all in the end zone. Boys, take your helmets off, take a knee. Pastor, lead us in the Lord's Prayer. And we would lead, you know, I'd pray the Lord's Prayer and pray for the guys. And um, one, one week by mistake, something happened on my calendar. I didn't realize they had changed the Friday night game to Thursday night. I came out of the church building, where, which was close enough to the high school that I could see the lights and, and realized, man, I just missed the game. So the next week, I check and make sure everything's on Friday. I get there on Friday. When I drive up, as I'm driving into the parking lot, three of the assistant coaches come running out. I'm like, guys, I'm sorry. I had a thing at the church. I forgot. No, 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 pastor. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. So when you didn't show up last week, coach didn't know you weren't coming. And so he gathered everybody in the end zone. He turns to us and said, where's pastor? And we said, we haven't seen pastor. And so he says, boys, take your helmets off. For some reason, the pastor's not here, and I'm going to pray. Pastor, we've never heard Coach pray. We're not sure he ever prayed before. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, when everybody took their helmet off, they bowed their head, they closed their eyes, Coach did this. Hey, God, this is Coach James. I know we don't talk much, and I'm not sure if you care about football or not, but, but we could really use a win. So if you care, help us out. Amen. And pastor, we won. So we wanted to meet you tonight and say, please let coach pray again. I don't know what you think about that, but I think I hear a lot of those prayers from people who don't really believe that God's there and they don't, they're not really sure. So it's like, hey, God, here's who I am. Hey, listen, God knows your name. God knows who you are, where you are, and what's going on in your life. And his voice is speaking. And when David talks about the messengers, the angels, he's talking about, he's talking about the, the principalities and powers of the universe. And he's saying, you know what? In those principalities and powers, there are these people who hear the voice of God. And what I want you to know is you can be a part of those people. You can be a messenger of God. Now, please, don't, don't be doing that God told me thing, you know. <laughs> no, when you hear the voice of God, it's always a voice of love, compassion, mercy, and the presence of God. But it doesn't just stop with that. It's not just whether or not you're the, the voice of God, whether you hear the voice of God. No, did you hear the rest of it when I read it? He, he, then, he then takes it a step forward. And he says, you know what? Kingdom gratitude that's revealed by, by people who obey the voice of God, that, that kingdom gratitude is implemented by kingdom dwellers who do God's will. Kingdom dwellers who, who actually do what God's voice is telling them to do. Uh, look, at, look at the way he, he said it again. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. 
Now, I know I've been ordained. I, I know that I am referred to as a minister, but I, but I also know that you are a minister. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a part of the kingdom of God, if you're listening to, to the voice of God in your life, then you've got to know when he talks about the ministers, why, why do I say it? Because he says, you who do God's will. My friend, if you're going to live in this kingdom of God, if you're going to have an attitude of gratitude and you're going to understand that the kingdom is powerful and the kingdom is eternal and the kingdom is now, then what God is saying to you through David is, you know what? It's not just the pastor who does the work. It's all of us. It's called the priesthood of all believers in theology. What it means is that no matter where God calls you and what he does in your life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, whether you have the title pastor or reverend or whatever, it, you, are, you are a member of the kingdom of God and obeying God's voice, learning to listen to his voice, leads you into a place where, where you get to be a part of the kingdom coming and God's will being done by doing what he's asking you to do. See, Christianity is not just an esoteric intellectual exercise in whether or not you believe the truth of the gospel. No, no, no. Christianity is a full life on participation in what God wants you to do. When you receive mercy, you give mercy. When you experience compassion, you share compassion. When you experience the benefits of God, you share the benefits of God. And what David is saying is, you know what? When, when we hear from God through, through those who hear his voice, when the Spirit of God speaks his truth into our life, then he empowers us to be a part of implementing that same experience for other people. Bless the Lord, all his host, his ministers, his people who do his will. And so what happens is kingdom gratitude is experienced by people who are God's workmanship. See, other people get to experience God because people who've experienced God begin to share like God. They begin to love. They begin to have mercy. They begin to, to work for other people. And, and I, I don't know that there's ever been a time culturally that, where that's more important than it is right now because there's so many people who view Christians as a, just another political group. They, they, they view the Bible as just some other book. They, 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 they view church as some human institution and, and creation of some religious system. And, and, and the kingdom of God is more than all of that. The kingdom of God is this relationship we have in which we obey his voice because we learn his voice. We don't have to pray to him like he's some distant person. No, no, we, we actually interact with him through his word. The scriptures aren't just historic documents. They're not just things created by a group of scholars or a group of disciples who decided, hey, we're gonna make up a story. No, no, these things are true. And when they're true, they make a difference in your life. And when they make a difference in your life, then they begin to call you into being people who invest in other people. And they, they experience God because you've experienced God. That's why he says it like this in that psalm. Bless the Lord, all his works, all his creation, in all places of his dominion. 
And then he says, he closes the whole thing out by saying, just like he started, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Now, this morning, as we're headed into the holiday season, I, I thought, you know what? David wraps this psalm up in such a beautiful way where he's talking about the kingdom. And, and I thought, you know what? I need to share with you, those of you on campus, those of you online, those of you watching later this week on demand, about places where, where you could be a part of the kingdom and places where you have been a part of the kingdom. You heard on the announcements that Operation Love, which is an organization here in the city with whom we partner and other churches partner, and throughout the year, they, they help families who are in need. They give financial counseling. They, they provide food. They provide, from time to time, some clothing. And we've partnered with them for two decades. And about 10 or 12 years ago, here at Eastside, we began to do a thing at Christmas that uh, we, we called Christmas Families. And what it was was an opportunity for us to help people in our community to have a Christmas. And some of you, many of you have been a part of that. And what's happened is that as that grew and other churches became a part, Operation Love became a part and they became the clearinghouse for it. But the thing has continued to grow. And in speaking with their director, Andrea Baker, the number of people who have requested help this year in Madison County, there's over 360 families who represent over 750 children who will have no Christmas this year if someone doesn't help them. And what Operation Love and the Alliance of Churches there are committed to doing is to providing those families with food and Christmas gifts. And what we want you to know is that they've chosen to bring all of that here to East Side for the two weeks that we talked, that Mason talked about earlier in the videos, because their facility down on Noble Street is a three-story facility from an old Methodist church that was donated to them several years back when that church relocated. And, and it's three stories, and so going up and down the steps is not conducive to that when you've got 300 and something families coming through in a period of about five days. And so what they called and asked, and we said, sure, you can do that. Could you use, could they use our life center where many of you ate breakfast today? And so for two weeks this December, we blocked out everything else in that life center. There will be no other activities. And a week from tomorrow, they will come and they will start bringing toys and they will start bringing all the supplies and all the things that are needed. And the families will then be invited the next week to be able to, to come and with dignity shop for what they need for their families free of charge. And you can be a part of it in, in any number of ways. And if you want to be a part, that QR code, I had to make it really big so you couldn't miss it, even from the balcony, okay? And if you've not already signed up to help with it, I want to encourage you. you they need people to drive the materials from their building out here, they need people to help set up. They need some of you who are friendly and non-judgmental. Let me say that again. Friendly and non-judgmental. I don't need anybody who's gonna tell people what gifts they should be grateful for, all right? We need people who are friendly and non-judgmental who will be here to help those families, to welcome them with the love of Jesus Christ when those families start coming into this facility on December the 5th. 
and shopping for their families. If you want to be a part of something like that, that's the kingdom of God at work. Here's another thing. When you came in today, those of you on campus and those of you online, there's some links there. There's, you were given a card, those of you on campus, and it's a, a Christmas experience. And let me explain what's gonna happen. In fact, after this service, this afternoon, many volunteers are gonna stay and they're gonna start and we're gonna transform this room. Bethlehem is gonna start about right here. It's going all the way over under those windows because we can't use our Life Center to bring back our Christmas event that we've done. And the Christmas event we do is not a show for people to come and see the show. No, the Christmas event we create is an interactive experience for families. Because if you have children, elementary age children, in Madison County, you know that sometimes you have to drive to Indy, or you have to drive to Muncie, or maybe you have to drive to Marion to find something to do with your kids as a family. And so here at Eastside, we're committed to creating an event that we're calling a Christmas experience. And, um, and it's gonna take place from 6.30 to 8.30 on December 2nd and December 9th. And next Sunday, when you come back in and throughout the entire Christmas season, I'm preaching from Bethlehem, y'all, all right? Just wanna let you know. And, and if you wanna be a part of that um, in any way, again, that QR code, if you'll take your phone out while I'm talking right now, it's set up for them to be able to plug you in to help. There's gonna be horse-drawn carriage rides and, and some wagons for them. They're gonna be live animals over here, all right? Um, Four-legged animals, you know what I'm saying? Like sheep, goats, that, that kind of stuff. I don't think there are any goats in Bethlehem, but they're gonna be sheep, all right? And if you wanna be a part of that, then we want you to be a part of that. There's another opportunity. This one actually doesn't start till January. But this last summer, we told you about a partnership we have with a national organization called Teach One, Lead One. And Teach One, Lead One is a character-based opportunity in public schools. And the Anderson Community Schools have been so amazingly receptive, more receptive, the directors of this program tell me, than any other community in the state of Indiana. Because what we did was we went to them back last spring and said, you know what, there's this national program out of Atlanta. Our friend Lori Salerno Maldonado is the president of the company. And she's done this, they've done it all over the country. We want to invite you to come and be a part of that. And Teach One, Lead One is where we ask the school system, hey, give us your most at-risk kids. And so tell us where we can help you. Because for a school year, we're going to come in and we're going to once a week start meeting with these kids and we're gonna teach them things like respect and we're gonna teach them about character and we're gonna teach them all the godly things that need to be taught. It's not a Bible club. We're not doing altar calls with them. We're teaching them, we're teaching them character. Everything in it is biblically based, yes, but, but even Islamic parents and, and other faith group parents have come forward and said, you know what, this was helpful to my kids even though we're not followers of Jesus Christ. And so we wanted to be a part of that and, and we win, we offered the opportunity and, and we're raising money because we told the school system we don't want that to cost you a dime. And it's gonna take about $30,000 to do it here in the city of Anderson and there are several of us who are trying to help raise that money. But what you could do, more than even writing a check, is if you've got an hour or so for a kid, you could use that QR code you could sign up and you could be a mentor to those kids. You could go and be a part of that because it's the kingdom of God and it's the mercy of God and the compassion of God and the benefits of God that we want to share with the people around us. And you've got to know, 
we went in thinking that we're not sure the school system would even want us. Not only did they want us, we asked for one classroom and we got enough people together, staff one, one classroom, but they gave us the names of 70 kids. That's too many for a classroom. So right now we have about 20 to 25 of them who have already started the program this semester, but we, we would really like to start in the second semester at least one more classroom and we need about 11 or 12 volunteers from around the city. So if you're with us online today, if, um, if, if you're with us on campus, if that's something where you could give, in fact, right now they need some people on Wednesdays from, a, from 1045 to, to noon. They need people who would be involved in it. If you'll use the link in the chat room or this, then they'll let you be a part. On Friday night of this week, we're, we're re-gearing up our, our children's ministry after the pandemic. And Eastside Kids hosted a, a family movie night and it was a joy to watch 80, family, 80 people, about 20, 20 more, more families who came together um, just to have dinner and watch a movie and spend time together. And, and so the fact is that, that our kids' ministry is starting to, to grow again. And we're going to need some people who are going to help us serve the children among us. If, you'd, if you're interested in that at all, and again, this QR code is there for you to be a part. And then finally, here's what I want to say to you. We're entering the last, um, the last six weeks of our calendar year. Traditionally, churches in this country receive somewhere between 25 and 30% of their income in the last 60 days. And, and I just want to say to you, if God's blessed you this year and you want to be a part of blessing other people, if you want to be a part of providing the, the staffing and the funding and everything for these ministries like Teach One, Lead One and Operation Love, and all, we, there, there are three, three key ways that you could be a part. One is our operating fund. The other is our missions or global engagement fund. And then we specifically every year use this time frame to, to take offerings for Christmas families, to make sure that every one of those 750 kids and any children who come in beyond that have an opportunity. And so if you give electronically, you can go to our app or our website, and there are click-down places, drop-down things that you can find for each one of those things, our operating fund, which helps us do things like a Christmas experience, for our global engagement, which helps us serve around the world, and for Christmas families. And over the next month, if you want to give to those things, those are there. But can I tell you something? I didn't tell you all of that to take an offering. I told you all of that to remind you, you are a minister. And, a, and kingdom gratitude is experienced by people who are God's workmanship, it's experienced by people who interact with those of us who've claimed Jesus as our Savior and Lord. And this Christmas, whether it's one of these things I've laid out for you here as an opportunity, or whether it's something else that God places on your heart, what I want to invite you to do is through this Thanksgiving, don't just make a list of the people you're thankful for. Don't just, don't just text all of your friends and family and say, hey, I love you. And I'm I mean, do those things, right? But more than that, Begin to look for where you can find a place to serve the people around you because those people are God's workmanship, just like you.
and his kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven as you and I engage in that opportunity. And by the way, if you're in our online community and you don't live in central Indiana, if you want to email us, if you want to click that connect link in the chat room and let us know that you're interested, we'll help you find a place wherever you live. We will find sister organizations that you can trust so that you can be a part of being people who have a kingdom gratitude. If you're on campus, would you stand with me? Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that you came preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand for people to turn and respond to you. And today, Lord, on this Thanksgiving Sunday, as your people, we, we join in that we join into that commitment to be people who have an attitude of gratitude for your kingdom, to be people who value those around us for your kingdom so that your kingdom will come. It's already here. And that your will will be done, not just in us, but in all the people around us. For it's in the strong name of Jesus that we pray. Why don't you sing these words with us? Chosen one, bring men 
God, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus, we thank you for giving of yourself so that we might discover life in the kingdom. And this Thanksgiving week, our prayer is that our hearts would overflow, that we would indeed bless you with everything inside of us, no matter the heartache, no matter the hard times, no matter what difficulties we face, may we, may we live our life understanding that there is no shortage of your grace and your mercy and your love and that you have invited us to share with those around us. Thank you for that opportunity. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray, his strong name. I want to say to you, whether you're online or on campus, just a reminder, next Sunday, we will have one service, 1045, and we will not have the 915 service, uh, so I want to encourage you to be here on campus or to join with us in our online community. Um, the on-demand will be up shortly after that service, but I also want to say to you, some of you are like, hey, Pastor, I got family coming in. Uh, great. Uh, invite them to come with you. If they're like, well... We don't want to go to church. Say, well, you know what? We're going to go to church, so we'll have breakfast, and you leave, and we're going to come to church at 1045, all right? Uh, so we want to invite you to invite your friends with you to be a part. And again, any way you can find a place to be involved, we want to encourage you to do that. Go with God's peace and his grace in your life.